So we've been doing this series over the last month called The Songs We Sing. And we started it four weeks ago looking at the fact that singing is a really significant part of the Christian faith. We saw that it's not just something we do because it's tradition. It's not just something we do because no one wants to sit through an hour-long sermon. And so it uh, gives it breaks up the service. It's not for those reasons. We saw that singing is spoken about, written about in Scripture some 500 times. And I've always said, if something's in God's Word, we should pay attention to it. But if something's in God's Word over and over and over and over again, we should really make sure we're paying attention to it. And so not only is singing spoken about 500 times, there are 50 instructions in God's Word to sing. And we saw on week one that those instructions are not just for the people who like singing. They're not just for the people who can sing. So I'm sorry if if you uh, don't think you've got much of a singing voice. You don't get off the hook there. It is to everyone to sing. And so we've been looking at some of the songs that we sing in church. We've been working through some of the truths that they reveal about God's Word, about who God is, and we've been uh, studying them and examining them so that as we're singing them, we, we understand the biblical background, the biblical truth behind them. This morning we sang a song called Same God, and while you might not be familiar With the title, that phrase, same God, is in that song a lot of times. So hopefully you know the one I'm talking about. It's a song that speaks of the God that we are worshipping this morning as being the same God that was faithful in his promise to bless Jacob and his descendants. The same God who uh, saved Moses and the Israelites from the Egyptians. The same God who raised up this seemingly insignificant Mary. The same God who gave David the courage to defeat Goliath. And the song declares that not only are we worshipping that same God, that we are holding on to the faithfulness of who God is. We're holding on to the consistency of His character. We're holding on to the unchanging nature of His power and the complete reliability of the promises that He has made. And when we think about these ideas, about this biblical concept, we talk about this word immutability. And that really is just a big fancy word that says God doesn't change. That God remains completely consistent, completely reliable, um, and always the same. We see that idea picked up repeatedly in Scripture. Scripture comes to that over and over and over again. And I want to fly through some examples this morning. The words will be on the screen, so don't worry about turning because we're just going to race through them. But Malachi writes in uh, Malachi 3 verse 6 that God declares to His people, I am the Lord, I do not change. I am the Lord, I do not change. The psalmist in Psalm 102 Verse 27 and 28, talking about the fragility of his own life. He says, in contrast, that you, God, are always the same. You will live forever. The children of your people will live in security. Their children's children will thrive in your presence. In Numbers 23, 19, we read, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken 
and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? We see over in the New Testament that James speaks of this unchanging nature of God. In James 1 and 17, he says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. And if you didn't recognize any of those, you might recognize this one because it is a very popular passage from Hebrews. Hebrews 13 and verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I'd say to you this morning, even though that idea of God not changing and God remaining the same is picked up throughout Scripture, it's actually something that we find hard to get our heads around. It's something that we find difficult to understand. And I think part of that is because we live in a time and in an era where that ability to change or a willingness to change is seen as a really desirable trait. The ability to get with it, to be with the times, is an incredibly desirable trait that society seeks after. We think then sometimes that because that's how our world is, that maybe when it comes to God and maybe when it comes to matters of faith, that surely God has to change as well. Surely God uh, is different. Society is so different now to when the Bible was written. Society is so different to the Old Testament, the New Testament. Things have changed and move on, moved on that surely God has as well. Surely He's got with it or He's with the times. I think other times we, we really want God to change. We really want Him to be different because we want God to fit into our ideas of how things are. We want God to fit in with our kind of view of the world. We want to recreate God in our own image and make Him fit into this box and into this framework of of how we think He should be. And so we have this tension here. We have this interesting dilemma because we have this, uh, this desire perhaps to See a God that reflects the world around us rather than the other way. We like to think that we are so enlightened, that we are so uh, kind of forward thinking and progressive and, and we want God to be the same way. But scripture tells us over and over and over again that God is consistent, that he remains the same, that he doesn't change. And I want to encourage you this morning that if there's one takeaway from this message, that that the immutability or the unchangeability of God should actually be a huge encouragement for us. It shouldn't be something that discourages or something that we think is negative. It should actually be a huge encouragement for us. And I want to take you through a couple of the things that this song mentions, same God, that it mentions about the character of God, that it mentions about who God is and what He has said and how those things are still the same, and why we should be encouraged by them. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I've worked really hard. I've got three points, and they each start with P, all right? So I've worked really hard to help you remember it. And the first one is that the person of God doesn't change. 
The person of God doesn't change. And what I mean by that is that God's character never changes. God's character never changes. Back in the book of Exodus, we see uh, in this passage that God describes himself for the first time. And we actually did a series on this a couple of years ago, and we went through each part of this passage, and you can look that up online. But we saw that here in Exodus 34, this is the very first time in Scripture you'll see God speak about himself. And in the very first thing that he says about himself is is he declares, as he passes in front of Moses, he calls out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. You see, God describes himself as Yahweh. And that word Yahweh, that name for God might not be familiar to you because we don't really have a good translation for the Hebrew word of Yahweh. It's a Hebrew word and and you'll see in scripture where it's used in the Hebrew, mostly it's translated in English as Lord. We've lost the meaning of names in modern society. I don't know about you, but sometimes people come, you know, as you're having a discussion, oh, that's a nice name. What does that mean? I've got no idea. And many of us, we've lost the meaning of names, but we know that the meaning of names was actually significant. It was actually important. And it was such a powerful name for God that in the Jewish tradition, they would actually substitute a different name for God other than Yahweh because they were too it was too sacred a name for them to speak out. It was too sacred a name for God. You might remember back to the burning bush. If you've heard that story, maybe you've heard it preached on or you've read it in a kid's kind of book. But Moses is there in front of the burning bush and he is fearful of, of God's call to him to rescue the, his people from Egypt. And one of the things he says is, If I go and they ask me who sent me, what should I say? And God says to him, Yahweh, I am. And that's what Yahweh means, I am. It reveals to us God's character, the self-existent eternal God, the one who always was, always is, and always will be, the one who has no beginning and no end, unchanging, covenant-keeping God with us. And that is what that word Yahweh reveals to us. But just as he is that God, the incredible thing about Yahweh, remember this is the very first way that God describes himself, is that he is a relational God. Because the word, the name for uh, Yahweh for God was only ever used in Scripture, speaking of God's relationship with his people. So he is the covenant-keeping, unchanging God to his people. And what an incredible thing that is. But he goes on to say more than that. He describes himself as compassionate, as merciful, as slow to anger, as filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And he's saying, I am these things to you. I am your God. Of all the things he could have said about himself, he didn't call himself mighty and great. He didn't call himself some kind of out there God. He didn't, uh, you know, give us his CV. I'm the God who created the heavens and the earth. I speak and the world came into motion. What he talks about is these traits, these characteristics, these aspects of who he is that are towards his people. 
And I think sometimes we get a bit of a distorted image of God. I think sometimes maybe churches, maybe other institutions give us a bit of a bad image of God because we see him as angry. We see him as aloof that he's kind of out there, that he is too um, mighty to care about us, that he enjoys sitting in judgment. He enjoys looking out to punish you for every indiscretion. That's the picture of the God that we get. But here, God says, I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh. I'm a compassionate, merciful God. I'm a covenant-keeping God. And we see Yahweh revealed to us in the person of Jesus when he comes and he walks and every single interaction is an interaction of humility and grace. What does Jesus do? He spends his time picking up the least, picking up the marginalized, picking up the disenfranchised, of healing the leper, of touching and speaking and, and dwelling with the people whose society wanted to discard. And the great thing about the fact that God doesn't change is He is that same God to you. He is that same God for you. The second P is that God's power doesn't change. You might remember some of the words of the song. They said this, You heard your children then. You hear your children now. You answered prayers back then, and you will answer now. You were providing then. You are providing now. You moved in power then. God, move in power now. As you are the same God. All throughout Scripture, we see this incredible power of God on display. We see time and time and time again that God hears the cries of His people and He answers their prayers that he provides for them, that he shows himself to be not just a God who is with them, a God who cares for them, but a God who answers their prayers. Over in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, there's uh, this passage that the song refers to in the very first verse of the song. You might know this story as well, because it's quite a well-known one, but the Israelites have fled Egypt. They've left Egypt because God has rescued them. And as they head off into the wilderness, that the Pharaoh's heart changes and he goes chasing after them. He, he um, puts his chariots together, he gets his troops and he heads off. And in Exodus chapter 14, the, the people stop and they see that Pharaoh is beginning to overtake them. And they cry out and they say to Moses what they tended to say over and over again. Why did you bring us here just to die in the wilderness? I love the fact they say, were there not enough graves in Egypt? Did you bring us out here so that we could die out here? And Moses says to the people in verse 13, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will be never seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I say that to my kids all the time. Why are you crying out to me? Just get moving. You can imagine God saying, stop complaining. Just get moving. 
And he says, pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. The passage goes on to tell us how God mightily, mightily saves his people who are at mercy of the Egyptian army. And do you know what? I think sometimes we hear these stories. If you were a child in church once upon a time and you heard these stories, we think, aren't they incredible? Aren't they marvelous? Didn't God do amazing things? And we kind of get this idea as we grow and as we become an adult that it's a nice example of God's power, but it's from such a long time ago that we relocate God's power as a power that did miraculous things back then and not a power that does miraculous things in our own lives. We picture a God who was powerful then but isn't powerful now. But that is not what Scripture says. Scripture does not at any point say that God's power has finished, that God's power is all used up, that God could do things for people in God's Word and not do things for you. In fact, Scripture tells us the opposite, that He is still a God who hears your cries, that He is still a God who answers your prayers, that He is still a God who can provide and who can heal. And Paul reminds us of this. In his, his letter, he writes to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians 3, 14, he says, When I think of all of this, all the things he had just said, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power to work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Paul is reminding us that the same power that is evident throughout God's Word is the same power that dwells within you. That when you come to know Christ, He fills you with the Holy Spirit that is God's power at work in your life. And so I'd remind you this morning, church, that God's power doesn't change. The last one is that God's promise doesn't change. The last part of the bridge in the song says, You were a healer then, you are a healer now. You were a savior then, you are a savior now. You are the same God. Right from the very start of Scripture, when we see that Adam and Eve sin, and our sin cuts us off 
from God. God planned a way, a promise to restore his people to him. We see the Israelites get reminded of this over and over and over again as the prophets, they speak of this Savior who is coming, this Messiah who will come that will take on our sins, that will make us right, that will restore us into relationship with God. And then we see the fulfillment of that through Jesus as he comes and he lives this perfect life and as he dies and he is resurrected back into life. There is this moment in John 11, and we're going to finish here this morning, but there's this moment in John 11, and if you know the passage, Lazarus has just died, and Jesus coming after Lazarus is is dead. Lazarus has been in the tomb for a few days, and he comes and he meets with Martha, this great friend of Jesus's, and Martha comes to him, and in the midst of her despair and her grief, Jesus meets her with compassion and mercy. And he declares this incredible truth. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And this promise that Jesus makes to Martha is the same promise that is made to you and to I, that he is the resurrection and the life, that us who know him will not die. We will continue to live, even though we might leave this earth, that we have the assurance and the promise of an eternity in God's presence. And Jesus makes it very, very simple. He says, put your hope and your trust in me and live. And what I love is he asks Martha a question and the same Jesus who asked Martha that question asks you that same question today. You can substitute your own name in there. But he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that I promise that whoever lives in me and believes in me will never die? And so what I encourage you with this morning is that the unchanging nature of God, the fact that His Word says to us over and over and over again that He doesn't change, that He is the same, should be an incredible encouragement to us because it gives us a complete confidence and assurance that His character doesn't change, that He is compassionate and merciful, that He is Yahweh God with us, that He is the covenant keeping promise keeping God we should also be fully encouraged and assured that his power doesn't change that his power doesn't change that he still has the same power to intervene and to step in and to act in your life that he does hear your cries and your prayers and he will act and we can be encouraged and maybe a bit challenged this morning that His promise doesn't change, that His promise doesn't change, that He does promise that if you trust and believe and put your hope in Him, that you have that assurance of eternal life. Let's pray. God, we thank You 
for the fact that your word says over and over and over again that you don't change, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you, God, that you don't lie, that you don't change your mind, that you are completely trustworthy. Father, that we tend to shift and change depending on our emotions or our thinking or the things that are influencing us. But God, you are beyond and be above. Your ways are above our, way, uh, our ways and your thoughts are above our thoughts. God, that you are the same, that you are consistent. We thank you, God, that the same God who is Yahweh, is God with us, who is compassionate and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in everlasting love is the same now. That that is part of who you are that doesn't change. We thank you too, God, that your power doesn't change. And this morning, God, we pray particularly for those who have been crying out to you. Maybe they feel like those Israelites did as they looked on in despair, as they thought it was hopeless. And God, you acted. And so, Father, we just pray this morning that you would act, God, in our lives, that we would see that same power on display. And Father, we thank you for your promise. We thank you that your promise remains steadfast and true, that you are faithful to fulfill the things that you have said. We thank you that we have that assurance of the hope that when we put our trust in you, Father, that you do promise us eternal life. And so, Lord, we look to you this morning. Father, particularly for those who might not know that hope, Lord God, we pray that they would look to you, that they would seek after you, knowing, God, that you are found and that you offer that same promise to them. And so, Lord, we commit this to you. Lord, we pray and trust in your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.